0: Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. To the New Testament, to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 1 is where we'll be this morning. Colossians chapter number 1. We began last week a new series in this book of Colossians as we began to look at when Christ is our life and the theme within this wonderful, wonderful letter to the church at Colossae. And we discovered last week in the first 13 verses that when Christ is our life, there is going to be some evidence Uh, some markers, some fruit uh, that will be known uh, within our lives and really outside of our lives. And we know that that comes from the inside out. Uh, When Christ is our life, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, uh, something happens from within And we explored the first 13 verses last week, and we found that, of course, our faith would be known by others, and uh, that our love would be effective uh, in others' lives. We found that our hope would be laid up in heaven. Uh, We saw that. We found that our fruit would be abounding, uh, and that fruit would be produced within our lives. Uh, We found that our walk would be pleasing to God our strength would be from Him, and that finally we would have a genuine gratitude within our lives. Now this week, I want to pick up where we left off in Colossians chapter 1, and I want to begin in verse number 12, Uh, right where we left off, where the scripture says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet that in all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you were sometime alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached To every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to His saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I want you to notice in verse number 27, where he says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, Notice he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Of course, we talked last week from Colossians chapter 3 where the scripture says in verse 4, when Christ, who is our life. You see, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, when anyone trusts Christ as their Savior, Christ becomes a part of them. We become in Christ and Christ dwells within man. It's a wonderful mystery that the Bible speaks about and gives us. And there is a change that takes place and causes us to pass from one state to another. And as we go through this this morning, I want to talk about uh, a change that takes place within the Christian life. And I want to take a few moments this morning to preach on the subject of deeper, wider, and louder. Deeper, wider, and louder. Let's pray this morning and we'll get started and it'll hopefully make a little bit more sense as we go along. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much. God, you've given so much to us by way of just giving us your holy scriptures. So much understanding for us to know and learn. And Father, I pray as we go through this, this day, that You would grant to us much and a better understanding of it. God, I pray that You would help us to grow in it together. I pray that You would draw us closer to You, that we might grow deeper, that our root system would take deep roots this morning, that we would find ourselves even growing wider, that we might have a sure foundation of who you are and who we are as believers in Christ, and God that we would also find ourselves as believers being louder in what it is that we believe and that we know to be true of your word and what you have done in our lives, that others may know who you are as we do. But Father, we know that unless we do get louder, they will not know, for they will not hear. And God, I ask this morning that you would help us to do our part in which you have called us to make Christ our life God help us to become deeper and wider and louder for you we pray these things in Jesus name Amen and Amen as Again, we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Bible uses many different uh, illustrations to illustrate our life in Christ. One of the ways the Bible describes uh, our life in Christ is by describing our life as becoming a newborn creature or a newborn baby. And just as babies physically are born into life, they do not stay babies. Isn't that amazing? Now I know many of you love babies, and I love babies, and I though quite frankly am scared of babies. I I don't know why, but uh, I, I have no problem with little children, but for some reason babies scare me to no end. Now, I, as a pastor, I've had the privilege of uh, being present when uh, babies have been born shortly after they're born. I don't go into the delivery room or anything like that. But, but when a baby's born, I, I like to go in and, and, and see the mom and, and visit the baby. And, and inevitably, they always ask the question, do you want to hold them? Do you want to hold her? And I always give them the same look. And a polite, no thank you. And then they look at me offendedly like I've just rejected their entire world. I'm not comfortable with babies. I'm just just me. But I, now I just explained that I took on in my early ministry that I don't hold newborn babies, and it's a ministry conviction. And then they just kind of shake their head like, oh, yeah, we get it. Um, and uh, so, I, so I tell all of you now that I don't hold newborn babies. I wait. Uh, I, I don't want to break them. I don't want that responsibility. Um, I, that's just me. You might can do it. I don't do it. I did hold my own children. Uh, I did do that, um, but there were some things I didn't do with my own children. I, I I refused to cut the umbilical cord. You say that's strange. When Chloe was born, she's our oldest. The doctor looked at me and he said, "You want to cut the cord?" And I said, "That's what I'm paying you for." <laughs> I thought it was rather strange. I said, "I'm not doing your job." Uh, and he looked at me and he said, okay, cut the cord. And, uh, and I stuck with that through all the other three kids and uh, didn't cut the cord. Again, I'm weird. Babies just, but again, two years old, man, I'll play with two-year-old all day long. But babies, I just don't get. But you know something about babies? They don't stay babies. Now that might sadden some of you. It might sadden some of you. We have high school graduates here today. Moms, dads, they're leaving. That might sadden you. It's, it's honestly, sending our kids out into the world, it might be one of the dumbest things in all the world, because it's a scary thing. But did you see and notice in the pictures that we watched earlier? They didn't stay the same, did they? They didn't stay babies. They grew. And they've matured. Jay, stand up for a moment. Yeah, really. No, seriously. I mean, turn He wasn't born with this. He-, he didn't have this when he was born. He's matured into it. Thank you. But could you imagine though a baby born with a beard? I mean a full beard. A girl nonetheless. Of course not. We would say no. No. Again as as young boys they come in and they watch their father shave. And they can't wait until that day when they shave. And sometimes we hand them a a razor and we teach them how to shave when they're really young. And they can't wait. They can't wait until they have to shave. Am I right, men? Oh, we couldn't wait to shave. I want the facial hair. And now I hate to shave. Oh, I can't wait to have a job and my own money and my own bills. <laughs> you can wait, I promise. We want these things. Look, change happens. Change takes place. We don't stay babies. But well, wait a second. God said in the Christian life that we're as Babies. And as babies grow, guess what God expects Christians to do? To grow. To mature. To change. Over the years. Over the days. Over the months. Now, I would dare say... And men get accused of this a whole lot more than women do. And it's this. Are you ever going to grow up? Women don't get asked that as much as men do. Oh, he's never grown up. Or maybe we could say accused. But I asked you as as a Christian this morning, are you ever going to grow up? Now you know me well enough by now, I get personal sometimes. This is a personal question for your Christian life, but are you ever going to grow up? Are you ever going to grow deeper and wider and louder? That's just one example of a baby that God gave us to grow into Maturity. Another example that God gave us is that of bearing fruit. Growing from a seed into a mature plant and bearing and having fruit in our lives. It's the same process though. Did you notice that? It starts with a seed and it grows roots. It grows deep so it doesn't blow over and fall over. And it has that in the same way in our Christian life. And we need to learn how to grow deeper in our Christian life. And when we change, that is, we go through the process or to undergo a variation for the Lord. And again, as we age, change happens. Some change we like, some change we do not like. The fact of the matter is this. When we go through a process of change in our lives, we, we tend to notice, most of the time, changes in other people quicker than we do our own. You ever notice that? I mean, we, we could see somebody, and, and, I, and we do this from time to time, but we could see somebody that we haven't seen for 20 years. I haven't seen him for 20 years. And you are you're the same age. And you get in the car, and some of you have done this. You've looked at your wife and you said, Man, he got old. And your wife has looked at you and said, So have you. Why is that? Because most of the time we go through unconscious changes. Like, man, did you see all that gray hair he has? It's because you remembered him when he was 25, not 65. And you remember you when you were 25 and you think you still are. But we don't go through that. We say, oh, when we notice the changes in others, usually a whole lot quicker than we do ourselves. And that's usually in a negative sense. But we have these changes in our lives that take place. We see the change in attitudes or behaviors based upon what we've let influence or seen influence the lives. I remember as a teenager growing up in church, I would hear message after message. I couldn't tell you the number of messages I heard about peer pressure. Peer pressure. Peer pressure is real, isn't it, young people? When's the last time as an adult you heard a message on peer pressure? It's probably been a while. I couldn't tell you the last time I preached a message on peer pressure. But let me ask the adults something. you still have peer pressure? Yeah, you do. So do I. So why do we ignore it? Why do we act like it doesn't exist? We go through this and we have these changes, but as we get older, this peer pressure still exists and it doesn't stop. What needs to happen for us as Christians is Christ needs to become our life. And when that happens, there are going to be some supernatural changes that take place. There's going to be some pressure in our life that takes place to change us. To change us. And it's a good change that takes place, although from time to time it may be a little uncomfortable. Now he gives us in these first few verses... Starting in verse number 13, I want to point out a few things to you because I want you to notice first off this morning that as Christ becomes our life, our understanding of God will grow deeper. Our understanding of God will most certainly grow deeper. Look at this. It says in verse 12, he talks about giving thanks. Unto the Father. He is our Father. Amen? But notice, he says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Look, we ought to be firmer in the fact that Christ hath delivered us. Christ hath delivered us. We have been saved. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have been saved from something. And you didn't save yourself. Amen? And look, it sometimes takes a little bit to come to that saving knowledge. And it's a little bit of a deeper understanding. Look, I, 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 could, I could go into some great detail here, but I, I was, uh, well, let, let me just put it this way. It wasn't until Chloe was born, almost 20 years ago, that I understood the birthing process. I'd never seen it before. I had a little bit of an understanding but not a full understanding until I was there and I was like I didn't pass out I didn't lose anything but I, I no one had told me anything we should have done classes we should have done classes Ben, take the classes <laughs> they'll help you man but we didn't Nobody told me a thing. I was 23 years old, and uh, I mean, I was a stupid kid, and I'm standing there. (laughs) I didn't get it. My knowledge grew more deeply that day. By the time justice rolled around, I was an old hat. I was like, Doc, you need a hand? (laughs) I got, got this. What happened was, my understanding grew deeper. Our understanding of what happens in salvation grows deeper as we grow in Christ. When Christ becomes our life, what happens is we have to grow deeper within this. We cannot stay as babes. And we ought to have a our understanding that Christ delivered us and that's what he's talking about here who have delivered us from the power of darkness not just that he delivered us but what he delivered us from what he's delivered us from and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son hey he says in verse number 14 who hath or in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins we ought to have and be her in the fact that God has forgiven us. I tell you it's it's good to be forgiven to know that we're guilty. We're guilty. Can I say that again? We're guilty and yet God has forgiven us. We have redemption through his blood because of what Jesus Christ has done. That's where it comes from. And God wants us to know that. Now, again, we don't necessarily know that when we're babies, but we ought to grow into that. We ought to become more deeper into that, or more deeply into that understanding, I should say. We ought to know this. Listen, he says, Who in verse 15? is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist listen we ought to be firmer that Christ is God and that he created all things you know God created all things do you have a firm grasp and a deeper understanding of creation we ought to we ought to begin we're not we're not babies any longer at least we shouldn't be We ought to grow in these things. We ought to have a deeper understanding of who God is, and He gives us this understanding. We ought to have a firmer grasp that Christ controls all things. Again, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, He says all things were created by Him and for Him. In verse 17, He says, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. We ought to be firmer that Christ must be first, and that He must be our life. Our understanding of God must grow deeper. Must grow deeper. If Christ is going to be our life, our understanding has to grow. We can't, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot just say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian and not make a determination that there's going to be growth in our life. Because if Christ is our life, our understanding is going to grow more deeply. It's going to grow more deeply. Number two, let me point this out as we continue. In verse number 18, he says, And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Can I say the the second thing this morning is not just that our understanding of God grows deeper, but our uplifting of God grows wider. It grows wider. Now, this is not an oxymoron here. I understand what I've said here, that we are to be uplifted. God. That means to lift God higher, you and I must go wider. Amen? In order for us to go higher, we must be wider. That is to say, our foundation must be sure, it must be strong, it must be Again, deep, but also wide. Also wide. He says that He might have the preeminence. That word preeminence conveys the idea of an elevation or a summit at the highest part. Listen, I ask this, the question again, is Christ your life? Does He have The preeminence. Is He before all things? Is He at the summit? Is He at the highest part of your life? Again, if Christ is to have the preeminence, that means He is elevated to the highest part of our being. He must be lifted up. See, the first thing you consider. Does He have the preeminence? We have our our graduates here this morning. I tell you, the most important thing, if I can challenge you in your life, as you step out, is that Christ would have the preeminence. That you would lift him up. That he would be your focal point. And that every decision you make, you would consider Him first. You're going to have to grow in that. And I understand, as, as we grow in life, we, we often teach our young people and we say, Oh, okay, you're 18 now. The decision is yours. Make the decision. I tell you, that's scary as a parent. We send them off, we raise them, we we try to teach them to make the best decisions in in all the world, and we we send them off and we hope they do. And sometimes they do, and and we know sometimes they don't. But I tell you, if Christ has the preeminence, it will always be. The best decision. I tell you, if we can get to the point in our life that rather than choosing between the right and the wrong, we choose between the better and the best, we'll always choose right. If we can choose to take the high road, if we can choose to take the high road, not looking between whether it's right or wrong, and that's usually what we try to do. We try to say, well, is this right or is it wrong? No, does Christ have the preeminence here? Is this the best choice for my life? Does Christ have the preeminence? When we understand that what Christ did pleased the Father, and that everything that was completed in Christ, it changes us, and it changes that in our reverence, and our adoration for Him is elevated. Look at verse 19. It says, For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. When we understand that everything Christ did pleased the Father, He can have the preeminence in our life. He ought to have the preeminence in our life. When we uplift Him because we realize who we would be without Him. Look at verse 20. It says, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, By him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Do you know who you were? Now, look, as babies, we have no idea who we were, do we? It's kind of hard to put that into some understanding. I mean, what's a baby done? What's a baby done? But you know, to God, sometimes alienated and enemies. You see, it takes a greater understanding and a deeper understanding and a wider understanding to know what has been done for us. For us. Because we were enemies with God. We were involved in wicked works. But we uplift Him because we realize who we are because of Him. We can have peace. Because of what Christ has done in our lives. He can have the preeminence and we can lift Him up and uplift Him because He has reconciled us with God. We're now holy in the sight of God. We're unblameable in the sight of God. Look what He says in in, in verse 21. He says, and some of you were alienated and enemies in, in your mind by wicked works. In verse 21 He says, in the body of His flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. He says, do you realize what Jesus Christ has done for you? Now again, a baby has very little understanding. But as we grow in Christ, we ought to have a wider understanding of what he has done I was an enemy of God and yet God made a way to reconcile me with him and it was through Jesus Christ isn't that wonderful he made a way and it's the only way and I'm just telling you you may not have understood that the day you got saved but you can understand that now. You can understand that now to say, oh, that's why I should uplift Christ. I get it. I'm going to give him the preeminence. That's all the process of growing wider in our Christian life. That's part of the process of growing deeper in our understanding of who God is and what God has done. But can I say, number three this morning, that not only should our understanding of God grow deeper, and not only should our uplifting of God grow wider, but number three, our urgency for the gospel should grow louder. He says in verse number 23, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, that's what we want. That's the whole idea of being deeper and wider. That's grounded and settled. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which behind the afflictions of Christ is in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. In you, the hope of glory, whom, notice this in verse 28, we preach. If you are in the habit of marking your Bibles, I would encourage you to mark that phrase there in verse number 28, whom we preach. I would circle the word there in verse 28 that says we, whom we preach. You see... Our urgency for the gospel must grow louder. He says in verse 27, right before he says whom we preach, he says, the the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, to whom God would make known. What he's saying is, God wants to make known the mystery. This mystery that Jesus Christ would give His life. That's the mystery. That Jesus Christ would be risen from the dead. The glorious gospel. This mystery that He would make it known. The mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The hope of glory is Christ in you. This is the mystery that God wants to make known and so therefore, whom, the whom is Jesus, we preach. We must make the urgency of the gospel louder. You know something? As we get older, something changes. I'm learning this. I'm experiencing this. I actually don't even like it. But there's something that happens as we age. Our bodies begin to break down. Sometimes as much care as we like to take care of them it it still happens. Yesterday, we attended Jay's graduation party. it was nice. and we were having conversations, and we were in the FMC, and I could hear people talking. And there were a few times that I was across the table and I could hear people talking and Some people were talking to me. I have no idea what they were saying. Because all I could hear was everyone else. I could make out most. And I think I know what they said because I could read lips a little bit. But I thought yesterday, i got to get out of here, because I can't hear. Anybody ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, Jay? You have no clue, man, (laughs) because you could hear everything crystal clear, because you're not 43 yet. (laughs) But one day you will, and one day hopefully you'll be 53, and you're going to be standing in the gym somewhere, and you'll be like, i got to get out of here. This is driving me nuts. We change. Now, if somebody would have just got a little louder, I could have heard better. How many of you know what I'm talking about now? I just have a question. How many of you can finally hear me? Now listen, we live in a world that's loud. Don't we? We live in a world that constantly has a sound going all around us. And the gospel, it's there. I mean, we talk about Jesus. What do we do? We give the gospel, but it's not being heard. We need to get louder. And I'm not talking about getting ugly. No, we need to speak the truth in love. It's what the scripture says. But we need to be more bold, we need to be more loud. So that people can hear who Jesus is. That is why Christ must be our life. And that is why we must grow more deeply and more widely in Him. So that people can hear the message of the Gospel. It's an urgency because people are dying without Jesus Christ. They're dying without Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that we're His ministers. That we're here to fulfill His word. That we have a responsibility to warn every man, every woman, every child. Notice He says, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. We have to understand that we are to be working in His work, not our own. Listen, we do not have our own agenda as as Bailey Road Baptist Church. We don't. Our agenda can only be the will of the Heavenly Father. And if our agenda is anything different than that, we're off. And we are wrong. And the only way to know that is to be in Christ and to make Christ our life. I ask you by way of closing this morning, is Christ your life? Do you have evidence to show for it? Is your understanding of God any deeper today than it was the day you got saved? Are you uplifting Christ to the proper place of your life? Does he have the preeminence? Is he number one? Or are you number one? Is something else number one? Does Christ have the preeminence? How's your voice for God? Is it silent? Is it hoarse? Is he who you preach? You see, when Christ becomes our life, the answer to all of these questions become yes. I'll be the first one to admit there are more times than not that the answer to these questions, it's simply no. It's no. But there has to come a time in our life that Christ becomes our life so that we can grow more deeply, that we may grow more widely, that our voices may become more loud for the sake of the gospel. That Christ may be our life for the sake of the gospel. That is the call this morning. Are you growing deeper, wider, and louder in Christ? We'll have every head bowed, every eye closed for this morning.